I make really sort of strong distinction between art, which is um, expressive and done for art's own sake, versus design, which is user focus and is done to solve problems. And uh, there is then a distinction here, which is to say that um, art can be um, perceived, received, uh, or trigger different experiences uh, to different people. But the goal with design is to try and have a similar experience across the people that the design needs to be accessed. So while a painting can make some people laugh, cry, cringe, uh, and could be the same painting, but that evokes different emotions, and that is great as an art piece. Um, a chair needs to be comfortable for every person that sits on the chair that it is designed for. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your brand new podcast called In Your Shoes. This podcast is for you to learn more about new people and professions from around the world. I would like to take you on a journey to understand the life and times of a new person every two weeks and get a chance to get into their shoes to learn what they do, why they do, and how they do it. Rasagya is an experienced designer specializing in data visualization. I got to know him almost a decade ago at conferences where I was blown away by his catch notes and we kept in touch. I found his tweets and posts insightful and mind expanding and I'm so happy that I've happened today for the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Rasagya. Thank you so much, Vivek. It's great to be here. So Rasagya, very interesting first name. Uh, can, you, can you explain or just share what does this mean? Sure. The name is Rasagya, which means Raska Kyata. So for those who might not be familiar with Hindi, Ras refers to emotions, comes from Bharat Muni's Nati Shastra, which talks about the Navrasas. And this is key in the sort of Indian aesthetic. And uh, Gyata is someone who knows about it. So essentially somebody who understands emotions or you know, aesthetics of things. And this is basically a result of having both your parents with a PhD in Hindi. So they had to do something with your name that was different. <laughs> That's so interesting and I think so fitting uh, for yourself. So for our podcast listeners, Rasagya, can you kindly share a little bit about yourself, like where you come from and what you do for a living? Sure. I was born and raised in Delhi. I spent all of my schooling in Delhi and uh, since then, I've never stayed in Delhi. So I, uh, yeah, I currently work as a principal information designer at a firm called Kramina, which is a data science consulting studio based out of Bangalore. And we have a couple of offices across India and across the world. And like today, it's mostly all remote folks. And uh, I really came here not by a plan. So you know, I didn't set out to be a designer, let alone be the information designer. And uh, I think it's been interesting to just see how things fell into place for me to come here. Okay. And Rasagya, what is information design? Ah, perfect. So information design really at a high level is thinking about information and communicating it uh, in a way that is relevant to the people who need to consume it. And uh, when we talk about the work that we do at Kraminer, we use this phrase as uh, insights, as stories. And I think that really summarizes the value of 
what we do, which is uh, take something that is useful and important to your audience and narrate it in the form of a story. And I think that's roughly what my role entails. Uh, for those who are a bit into design uh, or are you know slightly more aware about some of the nuances of, of many terms that are in design, I really feel my role is an amalgamation of design thinking, which is really thinking about the user and who I am making or solving problems for and mixing that with the principle of data storytelling. So taking narratives, weaving it with the right amount of information and then communicating it. Uh, the result of all of this uh, for our work is mostly in form of dashboards, uh, infographics sometimes, interactive visualizations, and information design as a field is much broader. So everything from maps, cartography, signages, um, instructional diagrams, a lot of graphic design, and of course, data visualization becomes part of information design. Wow. So Rasake, what uh, made you choose this profession, especially information design? And why did you why are you doing what you're doing? Great. So I so it's gonna be a long story. I'll make it very short, but feel free to ask me if I want sure. to if I need to expand something. So back when I was in school, I was a diehard um, computer programming nerd. I used to love algorithms. I used to lead my programming sort of club and in school, used to go and win you know algorithm challenges and for me, that seemed like what I want to do for the rest of my life. So obviously, I went ahead with the most logical next step, went to BITS uh, and did computer science engineering there. In my first year, I was really confronted with what it means to be an engineer. And uh, some of the ideas that I had of, you know, I'll get to play with new algorithms or make new things was not what I was hearing at that time. And that really put me off. And just luckily, and I think there is so much of luck that really shapes us. Um, I had a professor who was exhibition, came on a sabbatical for six months um, to our college and came to teach creative multimedia. And I wasn't eligible for the course, but which is very flexible. So I sat without any credits and I really enjoyed that course. And I think uh, what got me really excited about this is the act of creating something new. And I never realized that is why I was enjoying the sort of coding and programming that I was doing in school. It wasn't really technology or uh, programming per se. It was the act of making new things. So the logical next step was to transition into design. Um, and I got into it through HCI, which is Human Computer Interaction. And it's essentially a, a sort of niche area in computer science itself. So it was a logical way for me to progress um, and I changed all my courses towards HCI at BITS, um, went into internships that were mandatory for us as part of a course where I was expected to do, you know, development and I would convince the folks there that, you know, you need a designer more than a developer. So in my first uh, internship, I was supposed to be a C-sharp developer. I ended up doing usability analysis and changing the UI of one of the projects that I was supposed to do in this really CSIR, you know, very remote um, food technical research institute in Mysore. And uh, in my second slightly longer internship, I was supposed to be a PHP developer. And I convinced that studio that I was joining that you need an interaction designer as an intern, not a 
another web developer which you already have plenty of and uh, yeah so early on i was learning one the value of design and uh, the joy of creating something new and i also found me selling what is design or why is design useful in nearly every place i went to so i think that got me hooked i worked as a designer went on to go to nid did my masters in information design so pretty niche itself and uh, yeah then i've been working in multiple places in the field of ux and then slowly specializing into data visualization wow i think that's a very interesting trajectory what i really picked up when you were saying about your experiences is the convincing that you had to do with your employers that you don't need a web developer you don't need a programmer you need an interaction designer share more about it like how did that go and what made you feel that you need to convince uh your organization and employer that uh that there is some there's someone else in a different role that they need instead of the typical standard roles that they were looking for right i definitely feel like a lot of people are very utilitarian when they think about roles and careers that are needed um in their organization so before you know apple became a common term and before steve jobs launched the iphone the idea of design was really uh, synonymous to fashion or taste so designer kurta is probably the most common time when you would use design as a term not really for how things work or the interface or sort of human computer interaction all those sort of really niche topics that were being studied were being practiced but in really small amount across the world so i think early on back in that time there was definite need to establish what exactly am i doing and uh, the value of the work that we were doing needs to be more than pretty pictures so the harder bit was to explain that you need an interaction designer because uh, in a lot of firms say web development agencies like the one that i worked in they knew what design was because you know they were designing websites and apps uh, but for them the idea of design was a single cohesive thing which is somebody was going to sit and then churn out beautiful looking things and then unpacking that itself was crucial during that time and uh, saying that you need an interaction designer who will really think about how people will interact with it this person will not be responsible for choosing colors or thinking about gradients etc but really thinking about how things connect and do they work the way they should is itself a role um, was slightly difficult i think for people to grasp so they took a bit of convincing showing examples and i think uh, very common approaches that i did, did was i would do stuff for them to show what this means before i could really get to do it full time so for the studio where i was supposed to do php development work i took their website and redesigned it as wireframes to show what an interaction designer could do for them and there was no color change there was no branding change but it was all structural thinking about information architecture and that changed the conversation very quickly and i think uh, even later on i found showing people what you do and giving them value or explaining the value in terms that they understand has been instrumental for me to convince the value of design wow i think that's a beautiful way of putting all this together i like how you explained and you showed them uh what they really need instead of just telling them that you know 
uh, you need a different role or you're a different person and a different uh, specific skill set. I am also curious to see how you think about situation now in 2020. Uh, do you still see that it's still a harder problem to crack and to convince organizations that they need interaction design compared to perhaps a time where you had to do this convincing in your previous stints? Right. So I would say that design has become really commonplace in the past one decade. You've seen uh, companies really take design as their USP and get a huge market share just because they were well designed. And this is more relevant in the digital spectrum or the digital sort of tech world that we think about because this has been happening in the physical world for decades. And uh, you have several sort of brands or product designers and physical product designers um, who've stood the test of time by doing good design. Uh, for the digital era, I think uh, the last decade has been phenomenal. Nearly every other person now talks about designers. You know, people like Johnny Ive became these gods for a lot of people who did not understand design but had now somebody to think about and look up to very easily. And uh, so I think I doubt any company now is unaware or is questioning why they need a designer. I think that's, that's pretty much solved. Now the nuances of design is what you need to do convincing for. So uh, the common term today is to be a product designer. And it's a terrible term because of how it still you know, takes up the product as physical product, but also makes sense because everything that we talk about today is you know, in products. Uh, but what people don't understand is what is a product designer and what all does a product designer need to do. And so I do feel like some of the previous slightly more specialized terms really expanded on what a designer was supposed to do because then you would have information designer, interaction designer, visual designer, motion designer, etc. So very niche roles and they would come together to do design. Now there is value for design which is known, appreciated in organizations. I think the next step is to give value for different kinds of design. And I think that needs a bit of um, convincing. So for my current role, which is information design, data visualization, it's not seen as a separate role in nearly any organization that I know of. So I barely know any of the top you know, startups that people would look at who would have a dedicated information designer or data designer. So that's, so I think convincing is always needed. It's just the levels at which you're convincing. So today people thankfully don't need to be retold the Steve Jobs quote about, you know, design is not how it, like, you know, it's how it works. That everybody now understands. Now we need to convince them what is all the sort of work that goes into create data visualization or all the work that goes into do user research and why it's really impactful, things of that sort. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Rasak, I also really picked up another important thing uh, when you explained your trajectory on what brought you to this profession today was your time at BITS. And you mentioned that about a course that you did at BITS. I think it's creative multimedia, if I got it correctly. Uh, say more about how it inspired you from your perception about building things like programming to actually moving to something like a human-computer interaction. 
Great. So I think uh, Creator Multimedia was really an eye-opening course because till then I thought of things like Photoshop and Flash, which are my playground uh, when I was in school, as frivolous and as art that will not lead to a fulfilling career. And I think those were terrible biases that I probably built in because I was choosing science and I was preparing for IITs and I was surrounded by all of these, you know, smart people. And I thought smart people meant doing science. And uh, it really changed perspectives because it made me realize there is a lot of science in design. And I thought that was a great way to navigate the idea of design. So I didn't get into design by making um, posters or doing graphic design, which I know a lot of my other peers who, you know, eventually came to an ID from engineering did. You know, they found a creative outlet for them. For me, I found an analytical approach to creating things from HCI, uh, thinking about cognitive psychology, thinking about usability. And that's how I really got into design. So I thought the Creative Multimedia course gave me um, a deeper appreciation of what is creative, what is uh, something that we you know, normally just call it as aesthetic or pretty. And uh, yeah, that I think was a game changer for me. Right. Thank you. So, Rasake, how does your day at work look like today? And um, I'm sure uh, the COVID scenario has obviously affected people and their work life, but I'm quite keen to see how does an in, uh, a person, a designer specializing in information design, how what do they do in a typical day? Perfect. So. Information design is heavy on data and visualizing data. So a lot of my work is around uh, collaborating with analysts, uh, data scientists, trying to make sense of how they are looking at data, what insights are they getting, and then trying to translate that into visual interfaces for people to consume that information. Um, so very similar to how uh, a UX designer or a digital product designer works, just that I am specifically you know tweaking and playing with data the way they play with pixels only and uh, that's a majority part of my work i still work uh, quite a lot as an individual contributor in this role and uh, apart from this there is uh, the element of being a principal designer so there's a lot of focus on uh, contributing to the design practice in the organization so thinking about how do we do what we do so processes, making processes repeatable, making processes easy for people to adapt to, tweak around, um, and then also a lot of people-centric um, elements as well. So my role is now becoming very fuzzy, and um, there is some element of team building. So you know there is weekly check-ins with the overall team, trying to make that fun during COVID times so that we still have some informal channels of communication or banter, um, and other elements of one-on-ones being regular with some of the other folks that are in my team. So it's a mix. I would say there's uh, 50%, very randomly thinking about percentages here, uh, would be on individual contributor doing, working in sketch, um, moving things to envision, prototyping with some sort of code, uh, playing around with some database tools to really do information design. And then there is this element of taking a step back, finding processes, uh, getting things to be repeatable, reusable for the whole team, 
and then also working with people to enable them to do better design, supporting them when they need it. And yeah, overall making design something that they all enjoy doing. Fantastic. So Rasagya, it would also be very interesting to hear what sort of challenges do you face on a day-to-day basis uh, working as a designer in this role? And um, I'm quite happy if you could share perhaps an example uh, where you can substantiate these challenges that you face. Sure. So working in the service industry is very different than working in a product industry. And I, before Grameener, had only worked in product companies. So I think a big set of challenges for me today are really around how we work with clients and uh, the idea of relationship building. Uh, Every new project means you are creating new relationships from scratch. And I really feel like the actual design, which is, you know, the pixel pushing, making charts, etc., is the least of the challenges that I face as a designer. So I think that's the easiest job that I have to do, which is if somebody has some data, I can make a chart very happily. I think the much harder or challenging bits of work is working with clients to figure out what is it that is actually needed versus what is it that they think they need. What is it that the actual user really needs versus what the client thinks the user needs. Um, So there's definitely a lot of this um, idea of discovery and defining, uh, scoping, building briefs that I feel is really challenging and really exciting because it's completely new for every client. And uh, the second bit is on the other side. So once you're done with your design, um, convincing people of what you've done and why is it the way it is has uh, been challenging and exciting as well. Because uh, a lot of people have a lot more opinions about design than they have about some of the other things. So you wouldn't have a client that comes up to you and says, you know, this is not the deep learning algorithm that you need to use in this particular application or, you know, let's change the neural network. All of that is something that they let the other side, so the analyst, the data scientist do and present to them. Same with developers, etc. But for design, more people have opinions. You know, I like this color. I feel that I would want it to be this way. I would, if I was this person, this particular feature, etc. So I think um, navigating this element of um, opinions, rationalizing your design, and then trying to either debunk opinions that may be subjective and make it more objective. That I think is really um, crucial and very challenging in a service world because there is new relationships being formed every time. In the product world, it is slightly easier because you would eventually form a good connect with the engineering team and the product team, and then they would let you do the design. But we do the tussle for every client that we work with from scratch. So I think that's been really challenging and really exciting. Wow, that's that's really a nice way to actually explain this. Uh, what I also picked um, when you were explaining your experiences and also the challenges is how much of um, of this role that you have as a principal has to do with dealing with people and their emotions uh, and building relationship with people and also communication. So how did you turn into this geek that you mentioned uh, really early years in your school 
which is programming, writing code, to someone who is able to embrace uh, people skills, relationship building, and communication in order to do your job in the right way? That is uh, a fabulous question because there are so many strong, I think, opinions on some of this. And uh, I am a huge introvert, which is very puzzling to people in general because I do a lot of talks, I do a lot of community uh, volunteering, etc. And I think what was crucial for me was uh, really doing a lot of theater when I was very young. So I started doing theater from class second and I did it for a decade very uh, seriously. So the ability to be empathetic was something that I thought came naturally to me, but when I reflect, it really came through hours and hours of trying to act and not really pretend to be somebody, but really be somebody. So I think the theater element really changed the way I related with people. So while I continue to be a huge introvert and uh, as an introvert, I find energy or I feel recharged when I'm with myself, um, I found it very easy to suddenly relate with other people or think about other people, which has been crucial as a designer, as my practice, but has been even more helpful, I think, today when I work as a principal. So my role is definitely heavy on people. It's not just the clients who we are working with as a service industry, but also the people that I have in my own team and the other people in other teams that I you know, closely need to work with. And uh, this whole idea of empathy really trickles down everywhere and not just empathy for our users. I think um, I hear a lot of designers rant about you know, developers ruining their design. And I feel that all of us as designers who claim that we have a lot of empathy need to probably position or uh, transition some of that empathy away from the users and really to our peers. So I think it's been really helpful to think about everybody as uh, people who have their own um, good intentions, they have their own goals, and then working with them than trying to put sort of stereotypes around uh, developers doing designers work or uh, PM is only interested in pushing metrics, blah, blah, blah. So I think uh, that I think would be my way of becoming a people person, which is taking a step back, thinking about it from their, their um, thinking in their shoes or thinking from their perspectives and uh, really then trying to find a common ground and not thinking of everything as a zero sum game. And that I think has been really valuable. I think, this is such a beautiful way of putting it. And I think thank you for normalizing being introvert. Uh, and I think uh, it's such a good thing to hear that how you built that empathy and the experiences that you had shaped uh, your perception about people. And uh, I think this is a great sense of inspiration, perhaps to people who are listening to this podcast. So thank you for sharing this, Rasagir. So we'll take a segue from here, Rasagir, to something interesting. I, I, I know that you may f you may also kind of agree with me that every job and every profession has its own stereotypes and perceptions uh, mm. from outside, right? Sometimes it's uh, it's not right at all, and sometimes there is a sense of truth in it. What 
has been those uh, stereotypes that you have known from your conversations and interactions within the community of people that you work with? Great. I think the first stereotype is thinking of designers as artists. And, uh, you know, people bucket everything into creative. So, yeah, creative hai, that sort of a stereotype, which I think is a problematic stereotype because I take, uh, I make really sort of strong distinction between art, which is um, expressive and done for art's own sake versus design, which is user focus and is done to solve problems. And uh, there is then a distinction here, which is to say that um, art can be um, perceived, received, uh, or trigger different experiences uh, to different people. But the goal with design is to try and have a similar experience across the people that the design needs to be accessed. So while a painting can make some people laugh, cry, cringe, uh, and it could be the same painting, but that evokes different emotions, and that is great as an art piece. Um, a chair needs to be comfortable for every person that sits on the chair that it is designed for. So it cannot be that to some people it's comfortable and to some people it's not comfortable, in which case it's not really well designed. So I think that's one definite stereotype. Uh, and with the same stereotype comes this whole other stereotype of left-right brain and your you know, this box of you're either creative or you're analytical. And I think that's that's ridiculous. And there is so much of psychology and neuropsychology and research that debunks it, but it is simplistic. So people still follow that sort of an idea, right? So a lot of what I do as uh, information designer, but also in general as a designer, is heavily logical, analytical, process-driven. And it's not... Um, random or formal or expressive and I think that is another stereotype that people have that you know this is a designer he will do some magic and uh, which also means that this is going to be completely his or her um, domain so you know this is colors let them pick colors or let them pick charts I found that um, as a designer a lot of my work today is not to create design but to really facilitate the creation of design. And I feel they are two very nuanced but different things because a lot of times good ideas or approaches or solutions that we use in our design does not come from the designer, which I think has been very humbling and very valuable. So I've had a lot of engineers give me great approaches to solve problems that I did not think of. I've had actual users in participatory sessions come up with things that I would have not thought of at all, right? And so suddenly this idea of a designer is the only one who has to design or be creative is broken. And, you know, as designers, we become more of a facilitator. So bringing together ideas, helping navigate conversation, driving to a goal of a well-designed product is, I think, what designers really focus on, not just do their magic and come up with pretty-looking, moving animating uh, motion UI. I agree. I think facilitation is such a profound abstraction and uh, to the skills that you mentioned, I think to the work that you do, as you also move up uh, in your career, in your experience, 
um that it it kind of multiplies your impact um uh, and allows you to source in so much that you don't know so i think this is very beautifully put in um as far as the stereotypes are concerned for this role so rasage i think we loved uh, i as a host i loved how you explained your journey and someone who's listening to this podcast uh want to get into your shoes get wanted to get into the same profession what would be your advice to them like what should they learn what experiences that they should have that can set them up for this particular role all right that's a very hard question because i think i wish there was a very easy way to answer this um i would take a step back and first talk about i think the idea of being a designer and there two elements again repeating empathy being really key so not being judgmental or being open to changing your opinions about why people do what they do trying to make sense of others um, as rational beings and not just emotional uh, or eccentric beings is being key so building empathy by talking understanding reading is i think great value irrespective of whether you want to be a designer or not um the second is really to think about design as a process uh thinking and i think the good way to start is to go into the design thinking side uh really get a feel of the process of looking finding the right problem to solve and then solving it the right way uh has i think been fundamental to being a designer so this applies in respect of what kind of designer you become the design thinking design process stays pretty much the same whether you are a ceramic designer making pots or making cauldrons for somebody or whether you are a digital product designer making the next big app uh, in data visualization i think um, specifically it is valuable to break the notion of creative people don't need to be analytical or design does not need to think about data so trying to become more open towards the basics of numbers data statistics meaning is valuable to really shape you as a information designer and a data viz designer specifically so i think uh, that has been useful um to me a lot more than i've seen um some of the other folks uh, who really moved away from statistics early on and then eventually made really pretty looking charts which don't convey the right information so i think there is still a gap they still are treating data visualization as a aesthetic or art piece and not really as a functional information piece i think that becomes another good thing to think about as a data viz designer and uh, the other fundamental thing that i feel is valuable is critiquing so learning how to critique others work learning how to ask others for critiquing your work and in general being open to getting critique was incredibly valuable this is something that i only learned at nit and uh, i love critiquing and i also love getting critiqued and uh, it's not the same as criticized and i think there is this fine line and we can definitely do a different podcast on just critiquing but uh, that i think is incredibly valuable as well as a designer not being overly defensive learning how to convey what you did and then being open to improving on that there's always scope to improve thank you 
yes i think we 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 can spend a lot of time on being critiqued and criticism so i'm marking that as a thing that i want to talk yeah. to you in a future podcast so thank you for sharing that yeah. uh we have almost reached at the end of our conversation so rasagir mm-hmm. uh do you want to share any recommendations of like books or blogs and perhaps podcasts that has influenced you in your way of thinking sure yeah um books first i think uh, it is seminal books that are must read uh, must read so highly recommend edward tufty and stephen few's books as foundational books um but beyond those and they are slightly old now i think i love alberto cairo's books uh, he comes from data journalism side and has a very eloquent way of uh, you know giving inspiration foundation principles etc so i think he has three books now and i keep hoping he writes more and more so i think those are great books to look at uh, the other side of this is um, data art and I, i know we barely talked about it but i would love for people to pick up books uh like dear data which is a project documentation between Georgia Lupi and Stephanie Pozovic uh who wrote a letter every week to each other across continents um summarizing and visualizing their week in specific data points that they were collecting and it's a beautiful way to open up your mind to what data visualization could be um in terms of uh, podcasts i I don't listen to many podcasts but I love some of the niche podcasts in data visualization. I know the other ones like Farnam Street etc must be mentioned several times during your podcast. So uh there is Data Stories it's by Enrico Bertini and Moritz Stefner. Really um detailed but very candid. I find that to be amazing because they've had some of the people that I've always looked up to in data visualization uh come up and be very open about different parts of their journey and things about data visualization there is also another podcast that i love which is called data viz today and uh, that's by ali torben and she really makes bite sized podcasts very easy to consume and very actionable also for folks who are into data visualization i think those would be two data viz specific podcast that i would recommend uh, there is also storytelling with data which is by cole nafflick if i'm pronouncing her name right Uh, it's a good book with the same name highly recommend that and she also has a podcast she also does a lot of monthly events uh, and uh, activities for people to join in so that's another great place to learn and uh, in data visualization specifically the tableau community is one of the vibrant communities so if you want to practice just wet your feet i think uh, playing around with tableau joining some of the tableau challenges you know there is makeover monday and then there are similar small small communities where they take some visualization recreate it or share some data and ask everyone to come up with their approaches to visualizing it becomes really valuable so i think those would be my set of resources or references thank you thank you rasagya for those recommendations this conversation has been so enlightening for me personally and i think uh, for our listeners as well So Rasagya thank you so much uh for deciding to come on this podcast I really appreciate your time and your patience and your profound uh uh converse the profound conversation that you had with me I I think this would be very useful for people 
uh, Rasagev for for people who would like to reach out to you, like if they have further questions and they want to seek advice, do you have a channel that they can use to reach out to you? Twitter, I think, is the best um, to reach out to me. That's probably the one that I'm most active on. I am also on Instagram if you are looking for sketch notes uh, or my data art or generative artwork. Um, you can just look for a saga. I think either ways. My name is pretty weird and unique, so shouldn't be very hard to find me. Fantastic. I will have the links shared in the show notes. That'll be great. Yes. Thank you, Rasage. It was Thank a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, really glad to be part of this. Looking forward to being in other people's shoes as well through the other podcasts. Of course. Thank you for joining this podcast. I hope this was useful and you learned a lot. For more such great podcasts, please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast channel In Your Shoes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. New podcasts are uploaded every two weeks. Goodbye.